1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. We are so glad to have you today for our first noon prayer session during the 2021 Holy Week Revival. And if you're joining us online, be sure to click share. It's hard to believe, said yesterday, the morning and the evening, it's hard to believe that a year ago, uh, during spring break, all the craziness started. And then Pastor and I were here last year during the Holy Week Revival by ourselves with us and the camera people and volunteers. So it's nice to have you all in person. And that is a blessing. Amen? Amen. And as Pastor said Sunday and then last night, in dealing with confession or in dealing with prayer, you might hear some things that you might say, well, I've heard that before. Well, there's nothing new in the Word of God. Amen. And it's always good to cover the basics. And I believe that as we grow in the Lord, as we spend time in the Word and spend time in prayer, I believe that every year we have greater revelation knowledge. Amen? And we can all go back and uh, review the basics. You know, confession is so important. And just in the past seven days, we were getting something taken care of. And I think Jessica could tell I was uh, worried about it. And she said to me, you're not helping the situation by sitting there worrying about it. So again, we all need the basics sometimes. If you would, turn in your Bibles to John 15 and verse 7. And John 15 and verse 7 is a verse that we have been in many times when dealing with prayer. And Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Now many of the times when Jesus taught on prayer and used the word ask, he used the word ateo, which means to demand, to demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant. And so keep that in mind this week that in many verses where the word is translated ask in the English, a more correct or accurate translation would be to say demand. Whatever you demand as your rights and as your privileges under the new covenant. So to remain means to live in, to settle down in, to take up residence in. So we could read John 15 and verse 7 this way. If you live in, settle down in, take up residence in me, and if my words live in, settle down in, and take up residence in you, ask or demand whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Or we could read it this way. If you live in, settle down in, take up residence in me, and if my words live in, settle down in, and take up residence in you, demand. Demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant, whatever you wish or desire, and it will be given you. Then verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing. We could say, proving yourselves to be my disciples. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. How much fruit? Much showing or proving yourselves to be my disciples. So we are to bear fruit. 
and we are to bear fruit in our prayer lives. In our prayer lives, we should bear much good fruit. And every year, with every year that goes by, our prayer lives ought to bear more and more fruit. And our prayer time, whether it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 60 minutes, it ought to be productive. It ought to be effective. You've heard me say on Sundays, Wednesdays, that uh, if I'm going to get up early and uh, when everyone's asleep and if I'm going to spend time in prayer, I want my time to be effective. I want my time to be productive. I don't want to think that I wasted an hour in the morning and my time was ineffective and unproductive. To have a productive and effective prayer life, to have effective and productive prayer time, you cannot allow yourself to be distracted. And the truth is we live in a world of distractions. There are distractions all around us, and if you allow yourself to be distracted, you will be distracted. There's social media, which I think is perhaps the biggest distraction of them all. You know, if the Lord said, Austin, I'll give you back any time you spent on social media in the last 10 years, I would gladly take him up on that offer. Because the reality is it bears very little fruit. Now, I know even as I say that, we can advertise, amen. You have to use the current means and methods and technologies. I realize that as I say this, there are people watching on Facebook Live, amen. I realize all that, but social media can be a huge distraction. You know, if you're trying to pray, whether it's in the morning or the middle of the day or whenever it is, and you're, you're looking at your Facebook notifications, you're not going to have an effective time in prayer. There's social media, there's technology, you got to turn off the email, you got to turn off the phone, you got to turn off the technology when you pray. You know, sometimes I might text my dad and he doesn't respond for a while. Well, I know he's studying, he's outside praying, and uh, he'll get to it when he gets to it. You got to set the technology aside. And then if Satan can't use social media or technology, Satan will line up people to distract you. The phone will ring, you get the phone call, the email, whatever it is. And so to have an effective prayer life, you got to focus and not allow yourself to be distracted. Doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Solomon, one of the wisest people who ever lived, wrote in Song of Solomon 2 and verse 15, the little foxes spoil the vines. And in praying more effectively, one of our friends once told me, I asked him a question about ministry, and he said, Austin, small tweaks lead to new peaks or greater heights. And so a lot of times we get in our minds that there's some big thing we've missed when it is in fact the little foxes, the little issues that spoil the vine. So we're to bear fruit, and we're to bear fruit in prayer. We're to bear much good fruit in our prayer lives. Our prayer lives should bear much good fruit. And our prayer time, however long it is, should be effective. Now, when I was a young man growing up and would read books by or about great men of God, it's easy for any of us to get into guilt and condemnation and to have it in our minds that we're not spiritual if we don't do X, Y, or Z. And so if you don't have a prayer life, you can't get started by saying you're going to pray an hour every day. If you don't pray consistently 10 minutes every day, there's no way you're going to pray consistently for an hour every day. Just as if you don't ever exercise, you don't ever watch what you eat, you don't ever lift weights, 
If you decide that this week you're going to hire a personal trainer and in seven days you're going to be in the best shape of your life, you're going to be messed up. You got to start small, be consistent, and then over time grow. So you might start with 10 minutes a day. Then when you can do that faithfully and consistently, double that time to 20 minutes a day or then go to 30 minutes a day and then later on up to an hour a day. And so when I was a young man, sometimes I would read or hear stories about so-and-so praying this many hours or that many hours. You know, we all have different schedules. We all have, some of us have families and little, little children. So you have to do what works for you and be faithful and consistent. But our prayer time, whether it's in the morning or later in the day, it ought to be effective, it ought to be productive, and it ought to be consistent. John 15, 16, Jesus said, you do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever, say, say whatever, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So when do we come to the place where the Father will give us whatever we ask in the name of Jesus? It's when we bear much fruit. It's when our lives bear fruit that lasts. It's when our lives and our prayer lives bear the fruit, the good fruit of the Word of God. And that only happens as we are doers of the Word of God. Pastor's been saying that James 1 and verse 22 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So when we come to the place where we are bearing fruit, fruit that lasts, then we can ask the Father, and He will give us whatever we ask for. Pastor has explained that we have to go back to Luke 18 to reevaluate how we understand the parable of the persistent widow. Instead of praying the same ineffective prayers in the same ineffective ways with poor results, why not tweak the way we're praying to get better results? Why not change? Why not adapt? Why not revise to get better results? And if you were to ask me, say, Austin, at what place are you at? At what place are you living? What verse are you living in? I, I would say we're living in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Thank, we are where, because of the road that we have headed down and because of the way we have been taught to live at Faith Christian Center, we don't have to pray per se about much. When, when I spend time in prayer, a lot of it is praying in the Spirit. When I spend time in prayer, a lot of it might be going to the Lord about prayer requests that have been given to us. A lot of things are just being simply added unto us. But you got to be willing to change. You got to be willing to improve. You got to be willing to learn. You know, something basic, and we can't cover everything every year. Previous years, we've, we've dealt with how Jesus taught us that in that day, which is the day we're living in, we're to pray to the Father in whose name? Jesus. You always know you're dealing with a, a baby, baby Christian. And maybe they've been a believer 20 years. doesn't change the fact that they're a baby Christian. When you sit down to have lunch or you sit down to have coffee or you ask them to pray and they say, Dear Jesus. Well, they, they just don't understand the very basics and fundamentals of prayer and the fact that Jesus taught us to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And you might say, Austin, that offends me. 
That's the way my mama prayed. That's the way everybody in my family prays. That's the way my, my favorite internet minister prays. Well, again, if I'm going to pray, whether it's over lunch or whether it's first thing in the morning when I'm walking through the house, avoiding Legos or whatever it is, I want my prayer time to be effective and productive and not wasted. So why not tweak the way we're praying to get better results? Luke 18, beginning in verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show that they should always pray and not give up. Now Jesus gave the point of the parable in the very beginning, that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. So of course this judge cannot be compared to Father God. Verse 3, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And so people come to this and they take it the wrong way that we're supposed to wear the Lord out. We're supposed to be annoying. And if we can be annoying enough, he's going to answer our prayer. But again, our Heavenly Father is just. He's wonderful. He's good. He's loving. He's not like the unjust judge. The point is at the very beginning in verse 1, we should always pray and never give up. And the point is if, if a woman could get results with an unjust man, how much better results can we get with our wonderful Heavenly Father who is good and gracious and loving and just? Verse 6, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says and will not. So in comparison and contrast, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Say quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And this is a sobering verse for the day in which we live. If you have not listened to or watched Pastor's message from the Power Lunch, I would encourage you to do that on No Other Gods. And if you missed last night, watch or listen to the message. Because of social media and the technology and all these distractions, so many of God's people are consumed by this or that. And again, we have to be mindful of the fact that Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so in the midst of the days in which we're living, we've got to remind ourselves that our focus is to be upon Jesus. The author of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him did all that he did on our behalf. About a month ago in February, I think it was on the ice snow Sunday, I, I was uh, beating around the bush about some of these things. My father said it more directly last night, but I quoted what Paul said to the church of Corinth, no more boasting about men or this or that. So we got to get back to what matters and what our focus should be. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So Jesus tells us the point of this parable at the very beginning. Verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's the point. So the point of this parable is not to keep praying the wrong prayers in the wrong ways and to persevere in being ineffective 
and unproductive and not getting any results. No, the point of this parable is to persevere in prayer, to persevere in your prayer life. The presence of God is wonderful. The anointing of God is wonderful. But if someone has a consistent prayer life, they'll be honest and admit, not, not every day is a spiritual high. So we've got to persevere in prayer. We've got to persevere in getting up early and spending time with the Lord in prayer and in the Word, no matter how we feel, whether spiritual or not. We've got to persevere in prayer. The point is this, our prayer lives should bear more and more good fruit. Our prayer lives should bear more and more good fruit every single year. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that will last. And this is the way Jesus taught us to live. And this does apply to every area of life. Evaluate a tree by its fruit. A good tree bears what kind of fruit? A bad tree bears what kind of fruit? And this is true in our prayer lives. We are to bear fruit. We are to bear much good fruit. We are to bear fruit that lasts. Then, then, then the Father will give you whatever you ask or demand in my name. So again, when do we come to the place where the Father will give us whatever we ask or demand in the name of Jesus? It's when we bear fruit. It's when we bear fruit that lasts. It's when our lives and our prayer lives bear the good fruit of the Word of God. And that happens only as we're doers of the Word of God. So our prayer lives should bear fruit. They should bear much good fruit, fruit that lasts. And this is why at Faith Christian Center we teach you to be doers of the Word of God. So your life in every area of life will bear the good fruit of the Word. Why do so many believers fail to receive whatever they ask for in prayer? It's because their lives don't bear the good fruit of the Word. It's because their lives don't bear much good fruit. It's because their lives don't bear fruit that lasts or fruit that remains. And again, how are we to evaluate a tree? By its fruit. Our Heavenly Father, He does not want us to be tossed to and fro, as Paul warned us about. He wants us to grow up and to mature in Christ, to no longer be spiritual babes or infants. And so again, that's why we must become doers of the Word and bear the good fruit of the Word. And that's why our lives and our prayer lives should bear much good fruit. John 16, 23, in that day, what day? The day we're living in now, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. So this is the day he was speaking of. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. When he was here on planet Earth, the disciples could ask him directly for anything that they needed. When Peter needed to pay the temple tax, he came directly to Jesus. But Jesus said, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask or demand in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask or demand and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You might wonder, why, why are there believers, and they say they love the Lord, but they have no joy? Well, it's because they ask, but they never receive. And why is that? Well, they're not asking the right way. They're not praying the way Jesus taught. They're not asking in accordance with the Word of God or the will of God. They're going about it the wrong way. So they ask, but they don't receive, and so they have no joy. Their joy 
is not complete. Or they ask, but don't receive, because as we just dealt with, their lives don't bear the good fruit of the Word of God. Their lives don't bear much good fruit. Their lives don't bear the fruit that lasts. And that is not God's best. Prayer for us should not be like a hell Mary in football. And this is an appropriate example because, again, we, we don't get results praying to a saint. We don't get results praying to this or that person or figure. We get results praying to the Father in whose name? In the name of Jesus, in accordance to the Word, in line with the Word. And so prayer in our lives should be a daily thing, a consistent thing. Prayer should not just be something we do when we've lived life our own way, everything's hit the fan, it's a major, major emergency, and then we're, we're throwing a Hail Mary uh, from one end of the football field to another, hoping that in grace or mercy, God overlooks us praying in the wrong way, praying ineffectively, praying out of line with the rules of prayer, hoping, hoping we get an answer. That is not the way to pray. Our Heavenly Father wants us to know the joy of answered prayer. He wants us to ask, but we've got to do it the right way. He wants us to receive. And our Heavenly Father wants us to know the joy of answered prayer. He wants us to know the joy of seeing the good, the good fruit of the Word of God in our lives and circumstances. Number one this week, number one, when you pray, pray according to the Word of God. Pray according to the Bible. When you pray, pray according to the Word of God. Pray according to the Bible. And again, I'm, I'm not picking on how you learned to pray growing up as long as it was the right way in line with the Word of God. But we have to be willing to change. If we've been doing something the wrong way, we have to be willing to change and to improve so we get better results. When you pray, pray according to the Word of God, the Bible. His Word, the Bible, the Holy Bible, His Word is our prayer manual. It is our instruction guide. And we learn to pray by praying His Word. During World War II, a German Lutheran pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he ran an illegal seminary training young men to be pastors. And he did something very unconventional because he discipled them in actually living the Christian life. Living a holy life, living a pure life, spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, confessing their sins one to another. He was uh, very much old school, and he taught those students in that illegal seminary how to pray. He taught them to pray by teaching them to pray the Bible. He would teach them to pray David's Psalms, and that's how he taught them to pray. We, we learn to pray by praying the Word. And again, if you're new, you know, we, we don't do the things that we do to uh, tell people what to do or to waste anybody's time. Amen? And so, for instance, in the, the cafe, there's a book of prayer which my father, our pastor, wrote many years, years ago. He put together many years ago. And this has some scriptures to help someone get started in praying. And if you look through it, you'd say, Austin, this, this is just full of Bible verses. And uh, why is that? Because we're to pray what? The Word of God. The, the best thing to pray is the Word of God. As we learned Sunday, Jesus is the high priest of our 
homologeo are saying the same thing God says. Well, well Austin, I, I, just, I just don't want to pray that way. Well, you need to pray according to the word if you want results and if you want answered prayer and if you want to walk in the blessing of, blessing of God. And, of course, in the cafe, if you grab one of the confession booklets and you would say most of it's scripture and even the parts that aren't necessarily scripture, if you Google it, it's coming from the Bible somewhere, somehow. It's just scripture. And you might say, Austin, that, that's so basic. But again, as Solomon said, the little foxes spoil the, the vines. You know, once there was, I heard about a young man saying, well, I don't understand 5 a.m. prayer. And I don't understand pastor and the men praying early in the morning. And I don't think there's anything special about praying early in the morning. Well, I've learned that it's better to pray before you start your day. There's great wisdom in that, amen? And again, we have this amazing technology called Google. And if you Google the Bible, you'll find out that all throughout Scripture, it talks about praying early in the morning. Now, we can pray at other times, amen, lunch, late at night. And again, I realize somebody might work at night. And so when they pray might be a different time. But why do we pray early in the morning? Because that's what we see in the Bible, in Scripture. David talked about praying early in the morning. Jesus would often withdraw to pray. And so, again, we can have a wrong attitude like that young man. We can have a bad attitude and I'm just going to keep praying the way I've been praying. Well, don't have that attitude if you want to have your prayers answered. Don't have that attitude if you want to get better results when you pray. We learn to pray by reading, by praying what the Word of God says. We learn to pray by praying the Word. And again, this is why these helps on prayer that pastor has put together, they're just chock full of the Word of God and Scripture to get someone started in praying about their health, to get someone started in praying about their family, to get someone started in praying about their finances or whatever it is. So number one, again, when you pray, pray according to the Word of God, the Bible. John 15, verse 7, if you remain in me and my words, if you remain in me, and whose words? The words of Jesus, not the words of the culture, not the words of a politician. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing or proving yourselves to be my disciples. So you should memorize and commit God's word to memory. You should also build the word of God into your heart, into your spirit man, the real you. You should build God's word into your heart and life. You can't solve spiritual problems by the flesh. You can't solve spiritual problems by the natural mind. You can't solve spiritual problems by religious opinion or theory. Like that young man, I, I don't understand, pastor praying early in the morning. See, we, we've won the victory before most people get up. We are in the blessing zone before the lazy daisies are ever out of bed. And so somebody might say, I don't understand the blessing, I don't understand the results. Well, again... We see what works from the Word of God, and we are working it. You can't solve spiritual problems by the flesh, and part of the flesh is being in bed, amen. Can't solve spiritual problems by the natural mind or by religious opinion or theory. The Bible is the Word of God, so you've got to take it for what it says, 
and learn it, memorize it, meditate upon it, build it into your heart and life, then confess it and pray it. When you pray about anything for anyone, find two or three scriptures that cover what you are praying about. And yes, this might require some effort, some homework on your part. But again, we have all this technology. I mean, I see some of the students here. When I, when I was young and I needed to look something up, I had to break out a Dake's Bible and go to the concordance in the back. And your Bible, you might say, what's a concordance? Uh, you might have one at the back of your Bible to look up a particular name or a particular topic. But we have all this technology now. So there's no excuses to not make the effort to do the homework, to find two or three scriptures that cover the situation, the problem, or what you're praying about. And again, that's why pastor has put some of these resources together, not, not to be bossy or demanding, but to make it easier for someone who doesn't know how to pray to get started in their prayer life, to, to know and to see what the Bible says and to know and to have easy access to scriptures about healing or about finances or whatever it is. Second Corinthians 13 and verse 1 says, every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now this is true in matters of judgment, but it's also true in establishing and knowing God's will in your heart and in your life. We know his will by his word. So how can you know for certain God's will concerning any situation? You got to find two or three witnesses from scripture and build them into your heart and into your life. And this has been a primary principle of biblical interpretation since the Protestant Reformation. We interpret scripture by scripture. We interpret the word by the word. And on difficult matters, we especially interpret scripture by scripture. And every matter must be established by the testimony of how many witnesses? Two or even better, three. And why do people head down the roads they head down? They don't pray the way they should. They don't pray according to the rules. They're doing it the way they heard, the way they saw growing up, imitating mom or dad or a minister or whoever it is. So they don't pray the right way. They don't pray according to the rules that God has established. They don't pray in line according to the word of God. So they don't get results. They don't get answers. So they have no joy. Well, it's miserable to live that way. So then what happens is people come up with a theology to make them feel better about their ineffective prayer life. Well, it must not be the will of God or whatever it is. We know his will by his word. And so whatever it is, you've got to get into the word of God and find out what his will is in the mouth of two or three witnesses or every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So we, we do our best on Sundays, Wednesdays, a week like this week or pastor and the materials he's written, the workbooks he's written, but we can't go home with you. We can't be with you every second of every day. We were dealing with confession and watching what we say. We, we can't be with you every second or of every day. So you have to get into the word for yourself. You have to find out what the word says for yourself. And we are to pray in accordance, in line with the word of God. So when you pray, 
Pray according to the Word of God, the Bible. And when you pray about anything or for anyone, find two or three scriptures that cover or answer the questions about what you are praying about. Number two, when you pray, pray that needs would be met, your needs and the needs of others. When you pray, pray that needs would be met, your needs and the needs of others. On Sunday mornings, pastor has reminded us of James 5 and verse 16, verse 16 which says, pray ye one for another that you may be healed. So we shouldn't just pray for ourselves. And again, there, there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself or praying for your husband or wife or praying for your family or, or your children. But as we mature in Christ, our, our prayer life should go beyond just us. As we mature in Christ, our prayer life should go beyond just our own needs, and we ought to be concerned about the needs of others. You know, with all the craziness that's gone on last year and the, the past few years, with all the craziness that is going on, I think we all see the importance of not just praying for ourselves, but praying for our nation, praying for those in authority. And we ought not just do that when everything hits the fan. We ought to live that way all the time. So when you pray, pray that needs would be met, your needs and the needs of others. It is right. It is biblical. It is proper. It is spiritual to pray that needs would be met, your needs and the needs of others. And our Heavenly Father wants to meet our every need. He wants to amply supply our every need. Matthew 6, 11 when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, he taught them this way to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. And as Pastor John Osteen used to say, and he's gone on to be with the Lord, we need more bread today than we did yesterday. And I know in my family with five little ones, we need more bread today than we did yesterday. You know, if you had told me, when, I, when Jessica and I first got married, that there would come a day when to have breakfast, it would take a dozen eggs every time. And now a dozen eggs is not enough. I would not have believed it. And I, I've started to wonder about what's this going to look like when they're all in junior high <laughs> or high school. It, it won't quite be cheaper by the dozen, but it may be close at breakfast time. Give us this day our daily bread. And as John Osteen used to say, Heavenly Father, you know it takes more bread today than it did yesterday. Pastors dealing with confession. You just got to get the negativity out of your mouth and out of your life. And, and again, being focused, laser focused on what you need to be busy with doing, with what is productive for you and your family and the, the kingdom of God. You know, all of the, this ranting on social media is ineffective and unproductive. Well, well, Austin, you know, I just went and got gas, and I saw it went up another five cents, and I'm angry, and have you seen my post today? Just, rawr! See, when we're consumed by all of that, whatever it is, we're not being effective and productive. And it, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying it's not an issue, but it costs what it costs. Gas costs what it costs. Milk costs what it costs. Cars cost what it costs. And guess what? In five years, everything is going to cost more. So it's better, instead of complaining and being negative and being angry everywhere you go, it's better simply to learn how to live by faith and how to look to our wonderful 
Heavenly Father to meet your every need with plenty left over. That is a better way to live. Amen? Matthew 6, 11, give us this day. When? This day our daily bread. So Heavenly Father, give me today, right now, my daily bread. Heavenly Father, give me today, right now, the money, the finances I need to pay this bill, to pay that bill, to pay the bills, whatever they are. Heavenly Father, give me right now what I need to take care of this situation. And someone might say, Austin, Austin, you can't pray that way. That's too demanding. But again, a lot of the times when Jesus said ask in prayer, the word he used was, the root word was ateo, which means to demand as your covenant rights and privileges as a son or daughter of God, as a part of the family of God. And again, why are people reluctant to pray that way? Why are people afraid to pray that way? They, they don't know what the New Testament says about who they are in Christ Jesus. They don't know what the New Testament says about what they have in Christ Jesus. And so they keep praying. They're scared, weak, effeminate, timid, religious prayers that don't produce any results. Heavenly Father, give me today, right now, my daily bread. This is the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Today, now, give me, give unto me, give unto my family, give unto our church family, give unto so-and-so who's facing a need in in their life, give unto them this day. This is the way Jesus taught us to pray. And again, praying this way requires that you know who you are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, when you know what belongs to you in Christ, when you know what you possess in Christ, when you know your covenant rights in Christ, then you can pray this way. Heavenly Father, give me this day my daily bread. And not feel embarrassed about it, not feel reluctant about it, not feel ashamed praying that way. Heavenly Father, give me today my daily bread. Why don't we say that? Say, Heavenly Father, give me today, right now, my daily bread. And say, Heavenly Father, you know it takes more bread today than it did yesterday. And again, I know this, this flies in the face of religion, that we're supposed to be needy, we're supposed to be hungry, we're not, we're not supposed to, to have anything, that the body of Christ is supposed to do a GoFundMe for everything that we do, but that is all contrary to the principles that God has laid out in His Word. Prayer works. We just have to pray the right way. So when you pray, pray that needs would be met, your needs and the needs of others. It is right and biblical and spiritual to pray that needs would be met, your needs and the needs of others. So give up the religious thinking that it is wrong or unspiritual to ask that needs would be met. Jesus told us to ask that our needs would be met. John 16, verse 24, ask or demand and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. Demand as your covenant rights and privileges and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Somebody might say, Austin, why why are you so happy? Why do you have the joy of the Lord? Because I'm receiving 
every single day of my life. Why? Because I see from the Word of God how to pray and how to get results when I pray. So Jesus tells us to ask that our needs be met. So it must be our Heavenly Father's will that our needs be met, and not just be met, that they be met with more than enough, with plenty left over. Now this is important. God will not automatically meet your needs. You must ask Him. Say, I must ask Him. God will not automatically meet your needs. You must ask Him. The great English revivalist John Wesley, he once said, it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Pastor said this past Sunday, many times we're waiting on God, and God is waiting on us. Again, what John Wesley said, it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless somebody asks him. So God will not automatically meet your needs. You must ask. Say, I must ask. And again, we should have no problem doing this because Jesus said we would ask and then we would receive and our joy would be complete. Well, so why are there so many unhappy Christians? Because they haven't asked or they've asked in the wrong way or with the wrong motives or not in line with the word of God. And so they haven't received and their joy is not complete. We have to ask. But unfortunately, many believers believe and confess and act like God is not meeting their needs. And many believers believe and confess and act like God will not meet their needs. And sadly, that is the reality in which they live. But this is why one of my favorite verses is Matthew 9 and verse 29, where Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? According to whose faith? According to your faith, will it be done into you or in your life. So say, say this, say, it's up to me. And so we, we hear this all the time. I don't believe that. According to your faith, will it be done unto you? We have friends and it, it just breaks my heart. Uh, this friend called me and, you know, she was, you know, didn't ask my opinion. She's older, which is fine. And uh, she's uh, uh, elder in the Lord, but uh, she is so much living in fear. She hasn't even gotten her car serviced in the last year because she is afraid that there might be droplets in the air in her car. Well, well, that's a long way from walking by faith and knowing what the Word of God says in Psalm 91 and in other places and knowing that no harm shall come nigh us. Amen? I'm not afraid to go to the grocery store. I'm not afraid to get gas. I'm not afraid to get my car serviced. Or the, I'm, I'm not afraid because I know what the Word of God says. But again, as Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? We've had church and school as normal. According to our faith, it has been done unto us. So you'll walk in the fruit of what you believe according to the Word of God. And if you say, I'm going to reject half of it, I'm going to reject 75% of it, the Lord will let you do that, but you'll live at that level. According to your faith, will it be done unto you? According to your faith. Say, say, my faith. faith. Say it again. Say, it's up to me. me. And our, our Heavenly Father, He believes in free will. He will not force blessings on unwilling children. He will not force blessings on unwilling children. 
Isaiah 1, 19 and 20, you've heard this many times. If you are willing, say willing. And obedient. Say obedient. You will eat the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. It's not just a matter of being obedient. It's also being willing. And I know this is apparent with small children, young children. It's not just a matter of obeying. It's about obeying with the right heart and the right attitude and not making any faces while you do it. But doing it with a glad and sincere heart with a smile on your face. Amen. Amen. Not just obedient, but also willing. Not just willing, but also obedient. And sadly, too many of God's children are unwilling. Or they've been taught by mom or dad or religion to be unwilling. Or, or they don't believe God is willing. You've got to know that our Heavenly Father is willing. And then in your life, you've got to be willing to walk in His blessing. And whatever that looks like, He's got more in store for you if you will believe Him. And you have to get past what people will think about you walking in the blessing of the Lord. You've got to get past it. Well, what will people think? What will they say? Well, we live in a time when anyone, no matter what they have achieved or haven't achieved, they can get on social media and post their opinion about anything or anyone. Who cares? You have to get past living your life concerned about what other people think. All that matters is what the Lord thinks. That's why Peter and John said we must obey God rather than men. It's about what the Lord thinks. Amen? So to walk in the blessing of the Lord, you just got to get past what people are going to think. When Isaac walked in the blessing of the Lord, the Philistines were not happy about it. And they envied him. The Bible says they envied him. And they, they, stopped up his, his, they stopped up his wells. And he would redig them and they would stop them up again. Who stops up wells in the Middle East? So you got to get past being concerned about what other people think about you walking in the blessing of the Lord. You know, there was a ridiculous article in Christianity Today in the last year, maybe it was last year, actually encouraging Christians to no longer pray over their food in public. Well, if you ever, you know, growing up, being a young person, worked in food service, everybody knows you should pray over your food, Amen. even at home. Amen especially as the young children start helping with food and dinner preparation. Amen. But it was in Christianity Day telling believers that they should no longer pray over their food in public. How ridiculous. And the little children here at St. Paul's, they learned to pray over their food and to thank the Lord for taking sickness and disease away from our midst. And somebody might say, oh, Austin, I've never heard anybody pray over their lunch that way. Well, it's right out of Exodus. We worship the Lord our God. He takes sickness and disease away from our midst. Something so basic and so fundamental, Christians are ashamed of in 2021. It is sad. So it's about being willing. Say, I'm willing. I'm willing. Say, I'm willing. I'm willing. So you got to get past being concerned about what other people think. And so when you go out to eat in freedom... And I have to wonder if people are lying. I keep hearing people say, this is the first time I've eaten out in a year. I feel like it's an episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> but when you're eating out with your family, don't, we live in crazy days. 
And it's sad now, they, they don't train waiters or waitresses to not interrupt. So, you, you know, you're praying, and, you know, they're trying to take your order, even though they weren't there the last 20 minutes to take your order. When you're, we live in crazy days. So don't feel bad about being out to eat with your family and holding hands and violating six feet and, and holding hands and bowing your heads and blessing the food. In Jesus' name. Who cares what anyone thinks? So to walk in his blessings, you got to get past what people think. The Bible repeatedly says, whosoever will. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever will will leave the report of the Lord. The Bible, it's all over the Bible. Whosoever will. Say, I'm willing. willing. Say it again. Say, I'm willing. So again, as John Wesley said, it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks or makes a petition of him. So God will not automatically meet your needs. You have to ask him. Kenneth Hagin once told the story about George Mueller who ran an orphanage in Bristol in England, and for him that was simply a faith project. George Mueller didn't have any church. He wasn't a pastor. He couldn't take up any offerings to help these orphan children. Eventually, his orphanage had as many as 2,500 orphans. And he was solely responsible to believe God for the food to feed 2,500 children, for the clothing to clothe 2,500 children, for buildings to house 2,500 children, and for money to pay all the salaries of all the staff and for the upkeep of that orphanage. In his lifetime, he didn't have a church. He didn't have a mailing list. It was the 19th century. Radio had not yet been invented. He simply had to believe God. And in his lifetime during the 19th century, George Mueller prayed in about $7.5 million. And adjusted for inflation today, that would be close to half a billion dollars. It is unbelievable. When George Mueller was 93 years old, he wrote in his journal, When I first started praying and believing God, it took all the faith I had to believe God for a dollar. Of course, the currency in England is different, but in our currency, for a dollar. But after feeding my faith daily on God's word for 50 years and exercising my faith daily for 50 years, and he would would always begin the day with the Bible. He would always begin the day reading the word, studying the word, meditating upon the word of God before he had his breakfast. So he wrote, but after feeding my faith daily on God's word for 50 years and exercising my faith daily for 50 years, I could believe God for $1 million just as easily as I could for a dollar 50 years before. So again, as John Wesley said, it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life that he can do nothing for humanity unless somebody asks or makes a petition of him. So we have to ask. Say, I have to ask. Say, I have to be willing. Say, I have to be willing to ask. And say, I have to ask. John 16, 24, ask or demand and you will receive. Say, I will receive. Not, not you might, not you may, maybe. You will receive and your joy will be complete. So you've got to ask. God will not automatically meet your needs. You have to ask. And he wants us to ask him. James 4 and verse 2. Look at James 4 and verse 2. 
You have not, ye have not, because you ask not. Well, well Austin, I, I was taught that if I don't have something, that it's the Lord's will. No, that's not what the Bible says. That's what a professor at seminary may say. That's what somebody who hasn't humbled themselves to pray in line with the word of God may say. But that's not what the Bible says. James 4 and verse 2. Ye have not because ye ask not. So if Austin has not, whose fault is it? If Austin has not, who is responsible? I am. And that may be a hard, sobering thing. That may be bad news, but you can turn that around and make it good news. Ask, as Jesus said, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete or full. Ye have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. So in your life, if you don't have, whose fault is it? I know it, it's mom's fault. It's dad's fault. I had a wonderful third grade teacher. I don't know why I always use my third grade teacher as an example. My third grade teacher was Mrs. Wood. It's not your third grade teacher's fault or your sixth grade teacher's fault. It's not the president's fault, whoever the president is. If you have not, it is because you have asked not. It's your responsibility. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives. He that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. So who receives? Everyone that asks. The King James says, everyone that asketh. So who doesn't receive? Those who never ask. You know, growing up, I was the older of our family. My parents had two children. We have other siblings in heaven. Christina's younger than me, but growing up, I never, I was kind of the shy one, the timid one. And so even when we would go eat out at restaurants and we would need more crowns or coloring sheets, I would always get Christina to go ask for me. But there is a very basic, simple lesson there. If you have not, it is because you have asked not. Our Heavenly Father is good. He is wonderful. He is loving. He wants us to ask. He wants to meet our every need. He wants to meet our every need with plenty and more than enough, but we have to ask. And if we want to receive, we must ask. And who receives? Here in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, everyone who asks. So who doesn't receive? Those who never ask. So if we have not, it is because we have not asked. Or we have not asked in the right way. Or we have not asked with the right heart or right motives or we have not asked in line with the word of God. Ye have not because ye have asked not. Now I want to take, we've got a few minutes left, and I want to take five minutes before we dismiss to pray together corporately for the services this week, for the meetings this week. You might say, Austin, I don't know what to pray. Pray in the spirit, amen. But pray that pastor and I would minister as led by the Holy Spirit that Everyone in the noon services, the evening services would hear what the Lord wants them to hear this week. Amen. So let's, let's pray together. And it's okay. When we pray, we speak, we use our mouths. Amen. So it's okay for us to be vocal here together as we pray. So let's take five, five minutes and pray corporately for the services this week.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for questions being answered this week. We thank you for greater understanding. We thank you in these noon services, the evening services, for all of us together, growing up in Christ, maturing in Christ, that we would know and say and confess as the sons and daughters of God, knowing who we are in Christ. And we pray that we would learn how to pray more effectively, that we would get better results, not just for us and our own needs and our own families, but for your kingdom and for others and for the church in the day in which we live. And we give you all the praise and the credit and the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.